Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first content episode of the Learn For Yourself podcast. I am so excited, and in the future, I definitely want there to be less time in between my content episodes, but this was actually my first week of my second semester of college. I'm still getting adjusted to my new routine, getting in the swing of things and whatnot, so finding time this week has been a little bit difficult trying to plan everything out and I'm working on time blocking my schedule now too, which will definitely help in the weeks to come with the episodes that I'm filming. I for sure plan on posting weekly. I haven't decided whether or not I want to post on Mondays or Thursdays. As time goes on, I'll I'll settle on one and kind of get in a groove of things. This week, we are going to be talking about actually the first thing that I ever really sat down and researched. So it has a very, very special place in my heart. And I'm so excited to talk about this. It all started when my friend Hillary Justice recommended Biohack Your Brain to me. It is an amazing book with a lot of content in regards to cognitive health in it. It's all about boosting cognitive function and delaying cognitive decline. In this episode, we will be talking about how to fuel your brain. First and foremost, we are going to say something that's kind of basic and I'm sure you've heard a thousand times, but it is swap processed foods with whole foods for sure. Of course, life is all about a balance. So are you going to be eating 100% whole foods every day? No, but I think that the 80-20 rule is a really good way to approach it. You can do 80% whole foods and 20% processed foods. In my experience, whole foods are a lot easier to digest. And so a lot of times you'll end up feeling better all around anyways. But along with that comes increased cerebral circulation, which is so very important because your brain actually uses three times more oxygen than the rest of the muscles in our bodies. So we really want to be eating food that's going to allow us to get that oxygen to our brains because it really needs it. It's also really important to consume EFAs, also known as essential fatty acids. The two that we're going to be talking about today are ALA and DHA. Both of them are pretty hard to pronounce. ALA is alpha linolenic acid, and it can be found in nuts, canola oil, flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts, edamame, kidney beans. It's really, really abundant. And so actually, a lot of Americans are not deficient in ALA. Spirulina is that super, super pretty green powder. Sometimes it's blue, but you can see it in a lot of smoothie bowls that people make on Instagram and whatnot. And it gives a beautiful color to your meal. So not only is it really, really good for you, but it also makes your meal kind of a little bit more whimsical. I think there's one on Instagram that's called the mermaid and they use the blue powder and it just creates this most gorgeous baby blue color. Its benefits are far more extensive than just the way that it looks. DHA found in spirulina is the primary structural component of the human brain, the cerebral cortex, your skin, and your retina. So the cerebral cortex is actually responsible for voluntary activities, thinking, and memory. DHA can help a lot with just your thought process and memory recollection in general. The FDA doesn't regulate any supplements or anything like that, so you don't know for sure if what you ordered is actually what you're getting. If anybody has any tips on this, please share them with me because I really, really want to feel confident in what I'm putting into my body. So obviously, if you just have this belief that you should be avoiding cholesterol, your body isn't getting the things that it's needed to fuel communication within the brain. I think we're all pretty familiar with dopamine and serotonin. Really good examples to eat for things like this are coconut and coconut oil. You can actually use coconut oil instead of other cooking oils. And then it's also a really, really good butter alternative and baked goods. I use coconut oil with this 
super good chocolate chip cookie recipe. And I promise it doesn't make it taste weird or funky or any less satiating. It gives it a really good soft chewy texture in my opinion. I really, really, really like those kind of melt in your mouth cookies. Another thing that I kind of wanted to debunk was the belief that carbs are bad. Carbs fuel our body in so many different ways, but especially the glucose that comes from the carbs is needed for brain function. Whenever you're looking for these carbs to fuel your body, you really should be looking for complex carbs. You can find those as whole grains like brown rice, wild rice, whole oats, quinoa, buckwheat, barley, and whatnot. And then you can also find it as vegetables, nuts, beans, and fruit. I know whenever I was talking about the DHA present in seafood, seaweed, and spirulina, I mentioned that I'm vegan. I made the decision two and a half years ago, and it actually had nothing to do with health-related reasons at all. But as I was reading this book, I was really shocked. I found out that those who eat plant-based foods have a much lower risk of age-related cognitive decline, which was super interesting to me. I think it's really attributed to the fact that People with that diet really grab for a lot more vegetables and get a lot more servings throughout the day, which I definitely was not doing before. So ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, grab your leafy greens, incorporate more fruits and vegetables, snack on some nuts and seeds, and do not neglect your whole grains. Dark green vegetables in particular have a lot of benefits. One thing that I read, which is super interesting, is actually that leafy green lovers have a brain health of 11 years younger than those who don't really grab for leafy greens. This is actually because leafy greens contain vitamin K, nitrate, folate, and beta carotene which are all super important for your brain. And I think it's actually so amazing because there are so many different ways that you can meet this intake, whether it's kale, spinach, broccoli, collards, arugula, cabbage, mustard greens, bok choy, romaine lettuce, the list goes on. If you kind of experiment a little bit, you'll be able to find what you really enjoy and you'll get to experience a lot of benefits from it. Another thing that is also super important to grab for are orange, yellow, and red vegetables. I know that that sounds so random, and honestly, I didn't really ever think about how the color of the things that I was eating really affected my body. Maybe that's just me, and maybe I sound really silly to say that, but my brain never really connected the two. But I digress. Orange, yellow, and red veggies actually have high levels of beta carotene and vitamin C. I know I mentioned the beta carotene with the dark green leafy vegetables as well. It is an antioxidant, so this helps you combat oxidative stress, and that really helped to promote brain function. Similar to the dark green leafy vegetables, the list of these veggies goes on and on and on. You can be eating acorn squash, carrots, red peppers, sweet potatoes, orange peppers, radishes, red cabbage, yellow peppers, butternut squash, pumpkin, all kinds of things like that. I find that really good ways to take advantage of this is through soups. So a butternut squash or sweet potato soup, something like that, really helps you to take advantage of those vitamins and nutrients. If you've heard the list of vegetables that I've read out and you aren't really vibing with it, I totally understand and I have some really good news. Another food group that is really important for your brain is fruit. And I think that fruit is just so amazing. It has such an awesome flavor to it that I totally understand vegetables don't really have. Fruit tends to have really high levels of vitamin C, and this helps to prevent brain cells from becoming damaged. And in general, it just really supports overall brain health. Hopefully, you guys can kind of see a trend in the things that I've mentioned. A lot of things have really high levels of vitamin C. 
high levels of beta carotene. Those components are really important and looking to fill those gaps in your diet that you might have will give you a lot of benefits. But of course, like the other two lists that I've said before, fruit is very broad and there are a lot of things under it. Surely you can find a couple of things that you will like. Especially really good fruit to be grabbing for are apples, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, pears, oranges, blackberries, pomegranate, lemons. I personally love to drink lemon water. You can also grab for grapes, watermelon, apricots, peaches, cherries, cranberries, kiwis, mandarin oranges. There is just so much. I definitely encourage all of you guys to go out and try more fruit because there's a lot out there. One thing that I learned that I definitely didn't really expect was the benefits of legumes on your overall health. Legumes tend to be really high in B vitamins, which help produce energy needed to develop new brain cells. B vitamins are also associated with delaying the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's because it breaks down homocysteine, which is associated with the diseases. Legumes can be cooked in a lot of different ways and incorporated into your meals and just Throughout your day in general, legumes are things like black beans, kidney beans, chickpeas, lentils, soybeans, lima beans, black-eyed peas, whatnot. But one way that I really love incorporating legumes is actually with edamame, which is just soybeans. It makes for a really, really great snack throughout the day. You can buy these frozen steamables bags, pop them in the microwave, and I will sit watching a TV show or a movie or something and eat the entire bag. They're really high in protein and they're just really good to snack on in general. I also really, really love black beans and chickpeas. So I pretty much consume those daily too throughout my meals and whatnot. One thing that I was really interested in as I was reading throughout this book and this chapter in general is the presence of the gut-brain access. This is the line of communication between our brain and our gastrointestinal tract, which I never really thought about. I definitely want to dedicate an entire episode to gut health because that's also something that I absolutely love to learn about. But for now, I'll just tell you that our gut affects the brain's physical, mental, and emotional function. And oftentimes, whenever we're grabbing for these foods that are really good for our brain, we're also really benefiting our gut. It's kind of a two-way street. If you want to look for food that's especially good for your gut and you can benefit your brain to the utmost level, you want to be looking for food that has healthy bacteria in it like tofu, tempeh, raw sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, things like that. Personally, I am so excited in the upcoming weeks to include an episode on gut health. That is kind of what I'm learning a lot about right now, and I think that you guys will find it super interesting as well. Beyond just the food that you eat, there are actually a lot of different ways to make it easier on your gut and your brain, like intermittent fasting. I know that this is kind of controversial, and a lot of people don't agree with it. A lot of people say, oh, you're just skipping a meal, which kind of makes sense. It's kind of valid, but also not. It all just depends on how you do it. So personally, 12 hours on average, sometimes I'll go up to 14, but normally not any more beyond that. So I'll stop eating at seven or eight at night and I won't resume eating until seven or eight in the morning, which totally doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it really just holds me accountable. So instead of trying to grab something at 10 o'clock at night to eat, I'll just stop myself at seven or eight and then have breakfast the next day. So I'm really not losing a meal. I still get my dinner and my breakfast and all of that. But really interestingly enough, intermittent fasting helps the body expunge unhealthy mitochondria and it replaces with new ones. 
I'm not sure if this is exactly why, but personally, whenever I am intermittent fasting, I experience a lot less bloating. I always think of it as kind of just giving my gut a break and allowing it to digest and move through whatever I've eaten in the prior hours. During the day, I fuel my body and I feel it hard. So yeah, I definitely think it kind of deserves a break now and again. Hopefully that wasn't too much information for you guys. I know that it was a lot and there were a lot of lists in there, but I wanted to really read off a lot of options that you guys have. I think that whenever people realize that they have a lot of different options and choices that they can make, they realize you don't need to feel overwhelmed about the things that you're trying to do. The encouragement that I have this week for you guys is to make a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner revolving around the foods that I mentioned in today's episode. I really encourage you guys to have fun with it. Experiment. Try some things that maybe you haven't tried before. If you're in a dining hall, go grab for those options that you wouldn't normally grab. I seriously thank you guys so much for taking the time to sit and listen. And I just want to applaud you guys for showing up for yourself and taking the initiative to learn. If you have anything that you want to hear me speak about, I encourage you to DM me on Instagram at the Learn For Yourself Pod, and I will be more than happy to do an episode. This truly is a safe space for all of us, and I'm just so excited to learn together. With that being said, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of